Good morning. It's a new day. I'm glad you came to pray with me. Let's get these blessings started. I'm your host, Pamela Staten, and we come to pray in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God, as I begin this day, let me turn my thoughts to you and ask your help in guiding me in everything I say and do. Give me the patience that I need to keep my peace of mind. And with life's cares, I hope, dear God, some happiness to find. Let me live but for today, not worrying what's ahead. For I have trust that you will see I get my daily bread. Give me courage to face life's trials and not from troubles run. Let me keep this thought in mind, thy will, not mine, be done. And if some wish I do not get, though I have prayed to thee, help me to believe and understand, you know what's best for me. I've failed you many times, I know, but when tonight I rest, I hope that I can kneel and say, Dear God, I've tried my best. Amen. And just for today, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Just for today, I will try to live through this day only. Just for today, I will be happy. Just for today, I will adjust myself to what is and not try to adjust everything to my own desires. Just for today, I will try to strengthen my mind. Just for today, I will exercise my soul. Just for today, I will not feel hurt. I may be hurt, but today I'm not going to show it. Just for today, I will be agreeable. Just for today, I will have a program. Just for today, I will have a quiet half hour all by myself and relax. Just for today, I will be unafraid. Amen. Just for today. <laughs> In Touch Magazine talks about the need for friendship and this caught my eye. So we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And they're saying that these days, many of us would rather rely on ourselves than on one another. And it's common for neighbors to treat each other with suspicion instead of congeniality. And that goes for church members too. Independence may be a prized attribute in our culture, but not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the erroneous quote, 
that God helps those that help themselves. Mm -hmm. The very fact that the Lord formed the church, a community of believers, reveals that he did not create people for self-sufficiency or isolation. In God's design, a close, committed, biblical friendship between two believers serves to build toward Christ-likeness. Look at any of the saints in the Bible and you will find evidence of reliance upon a close friend or confidant for support. Paul in particular spoke freely and often of his dependence upon dear companions and he encouraged others to form intimate partnerships as well. God's word tells us to love one another, to bear our brother's burdens, and confess our sins to fellow believers. This means that we are to give ourselves away to others and receive from them in return. God designed this mutual encouragement to result in greater holiness throughout the body of Christ. So listeners, there is indeed a need for friendship. Amen. And let's jump over to speaking of the best friend you can have. Let's talk about seeking God's guidance. And I'm getting this from my Bible. And it's Psalm 27 that focuses on this. Listeners, life is full of decisions. And if we want to make the right choices, those that glorify God and benefit us and others, well, we need to seek God's guidance. The following seven words will help us in seeking his direction. Number one, cleansing. We need to ask, is anything in my life hindering me from hearing what you are saying, Lord? And if so, what is it? Cleansing comes by confession. Number two, surrendering. We must submit to whatever God instructs us to do. Sometimes we find it difficult to move ahead because we want to know step two before we complete step one of God's will. However, we must surrender ourselves to his timing and guidance. Obeying the will of God is both humbling and an uplifting experience. Number three in seeking God's guidance is asking. James chapter four, verse two reports, you do not have because you do not ask. God promises that when we ask according to his will, he hears us. And when we know that he hears us, we know he will answer. Even though the answer may come over a long period of time, God will answer. Number four, meditating. God promises that his word will be a light to our path. So the more we think about his word, 
the clearer our path will become. And number five, believing. In Mark's gospel, we learn that when we ask, we must believe that he's going to give us what we have requested. Therefore, trust that he will show you what to do. In seeking God's guidance, number six is waiting. God promises that he acts on our behalf when we wait for him. If we run ahead of him and try to fix things on our own or manipulate circumstances, we will most certainly be disappointed. However, if we wait on the Lord, then our sovereign, divine, omnipotent God will act on our behalf. It's our choice. Number seven, receiving. When we obediently seek the will of God, we can be sure that he'll hear us and give us his wisdom that we need to make the right choices. And once we know his will, we have a responsibility to embrace his direction and obey him completely. Listeners, you're going to find you're going to find great peace and confidence in knowing that you are making choices based on God's guidance. Perhaps no one else will understand or agree with your decision, but you will have heard from the one who matters most. Amen. God promises that his word will be a light to our paths. If necessary, God will move heaven and earth to show his will. And prayer is life's greatest time saver. Stay right there. We'll be back. We got more. We got more prayers. Many of us are working listeners, but a lot of us don't find fulfillment in our work. So I think we need to. So let's find out how can we find fulfillment in our work? Ecclesiastes chapter nine is recommended. We all enjoy weekends and recreation with our families and friends is important for a well-balanced life. But if we live for weekends only, we thwart God's desire to bless us in the task that occupies most of our adult lives, and that's work. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or someone who heads out each morning to the office or a job, you are working. And work is not the result of the curse placed on humanity when Adam and Eve sinned. God had instructed them to reap the fruit of the earth before the fall. Work, it is, it is, it is a gift from God. And it's given for our enjoyment and blessing. And that is why the preacher wrote, I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. 
and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. You might say, if you knew who my boss is, you would understand how could I possibly enjoy my work with such an unpleasant supervisor. Well, true enough, because some work may not fit our ideal job description. But consider the alternative. Have you ever known anyone to feel happy and satisfied while standing in an unemployment line? If you have a job, thank God for it, listeners. Thank God for it. Wherever you find yourself working today, in a factory line, under a sink, at a desk, driving a truck, on the phone, just thank the Lord for your work. It may be less than perfect, but that is where God has placed you, at least for now. So this morning, put a smile on your face before going to work. We must come to see every detail of our jobs as an opportunity to serve God. The Apostle Paul tells us, wherever you eat or drink and whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And he reminds us that whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Such an attitude can transform the workplace from a mere workstation to a practical pulpit that says more about your relationship with Christ than words could ever say. So work, please see it as God's gift. Give him thanks for the opportunity and the privilege of working, not just for a living, but for Him. Then you can start anticipating the weekdays as much as the weekends. Amen. I thought that was good to share. Amen. All right. Commanding your morning. Pray with me. In the name of Jesus, I decree that I discipline my mouth so that I speak words of faith and loose only the plans and purposes of God in my life. I will not undermine my intercession by praying one thing and confessing another. I decree that there will be synergy between what I say in prayer and what I say throughout my day. I declare that nothing shall prevent God's word from bearing fruit in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And now from a spectacle of glory, gaze up to the heavens and pray with me. Lord Jesus, if you and I have found happiness that goes way beyond the happenings, happenings in my life, I am happy, Lord. Even in my pain and trials, I am happy because I know that you are with me, that you love me, and every moment is in your hands. 
and that one day soon I will be with you forever. Amen. Lord, I know your truth sometimes skips across the soil of my heart like a rock on a frozen pond. And that's not what I want, Lord. I want to receive your words, your warnings, your encouragements, and your guidance. Open my spiritual ears and eyes, Lord. Deepen the capacity of my heart. Amen. Lord, I do have concerns. Of course I do. But I can smile knowing that I am still under construction and that when you have finished, you will take me home to be with you. I have quiet contentment even in my afflictions because of the future that awaits me. Taking up my cross today will lead to a crown tomorrow. Amen. Father, part of me resists being a spectacle or drawing the attention of others. But if my life somehow draws attention to you, if the way I process suffering draws people to your grace and strength, then I can accept or even embrace being on display. So thank you for sustaining me and thank you that your grace is enough for me. Amen. And God's way day by day says from 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listeners, your salvation occurred the moment you accepted that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. His indwelling Holy Spirit continues to convict you in areas that need changing in your life. I'm raising my hand. Habits that need to be dropped or acquired. Attitudes that need to be altered automatic responses that need to be transformed to line up with God's word and the life of Christ. You don't need to plead with God to save you or forgive you or change you. He responds to you the moment you turn to him to receive his love. He then begins a renewal work that is ongoing in you the rest of your life. Amen. This is as refreshing as the fan blowing on me. <laughs> and God's promises for your life it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's John chapter 14, verse 15. The cross is not just a symbol of love or a fashion statement. The cross is your daily decision to deny yourself, your rights, your wants, your dreams, your plans, your goals, and deliberately, wholeheartedly, unreservedly live out your commitment to God's will and God's way and God's word and God's wisdom. 
the cross is your decision to live for him, period. Many of us wear a cross around our neck and that is exactly what we are declaring to the world that we have made a decision to live for him, period. Amen. One more break. Remember, listeners, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. Reflect on John chapter 1. Praise God for his all-powerful word. Offer thanks for Christ's word to you. Confess any lack of faith in the word of God and ask God to increase your love of scripture. Amen. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Reflect on John chapter 5. Let the word of the Lord Christ dwell richly in you. Praise God for opening your ears to his word. Offer thanks for all the ways that God has spoken through Jesus. Confess any heedlessness of God's word and ask God, to help you hide his word in your heart. Amen. As you pray for faith and for the grace to let truth sink in so that it becomes a source of joy, strengthening you in the midst of life's ever-present challenges. In his voice, you will certainly hear God calling your name. Amen. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace. That's John chapter 1. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it as the word of men, 
but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. First Thessalonians. So praise God for his living active word. Offer thanks for the freedom to read and study the Bible. Confess any negligence of God's word and ask God to make you hungry for his word. Amen. How beautiful. Thank you for coming to pray with me. We just got these blessings started for today. It feels so good. Remember, you're going to go to work with a great attitude because work is a gift from God. Amen. Have a great day. Come back tomorrow. Bye for now.